Welcome to the Gridiron Show, coming to you live from the Gavin front room. Will Gavin, Matt Sherry, Ollie Hunter, uh, waking up to a new world this morning. A world where I'm very hungover and feeling very much worse for wear. That's not new. Uh, <laughs> good a, one, buddy. A new hope, some will say. I mean, I watched Rogue One this morning, but a new hope is up next, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll watch Empire Strikes Back. And then I'll watch episodes two and three as a flashback to how Vader became Vader. And then I'll watch... Uh, Episode six. All of that is going to be done today, ready for the new ones next oh, week. Because I just, I just, I need something positive in my life right now. Absolutely. I went into a deep dark hole last night. I got a little too drunk. I stayed up and watched Ravens Jets flicking between that and the election coverage while Sherry snored on the sofa next to me. It was, a, <laughs> it was a wonderful evening had by all. Uh, right, but we're now ready to talk some Week Fifteen action, right, guys? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, we, we've watched the highlights back of uh, Ravens Jets, but it's not a game we need to go into a, a huge amount of depth. Uh, depth on I do think that there's enough with that Jets offense when you look at what they were doing on these on the scoring drives they had plus you look at the drive where they that they uh, whiffed on the fourth and one you look at the missed field goal drive as well and they were putting together some some nice bits of offense yeah between Jameson Crowder and Robbie Anderson they got good receiving options Lev Bell had a had a half decent game as well I thought Sam Darnold made some big boy throws uh, you know there's Reasons to be cheerful for, for Jets fans, I think, going forward, particularly when they've got all their defensive pieces back and, and healthy. Uh, I don't think it's till next season, but from a Ravens perspective, Lamar Jackson, five touchdowns for the third time this season, throwing five touchdowns. He had a very entertaining post-match uh, interview with him and Mark Ingram on the field. If you've not seen it, it's very, very funny. Uh, I, uh, I, I tweeted it out from uh, my account earlier. Um, I, I just... Yeah, I thought that the, the the there was the one touchdown grab that was in the back left corner end zone. I can't remember who got it now. Was it Mar- it wasn't Marquise Brown? He had the the toe tapper in the back of the end zone, but he made some big throws. He made some. He had some great runs. I'm just I'm I'm really enjoying watching this Ravens team. Really, really enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they just they are just firing on all cylinders right now, and and I think the most exciting part for me, if I was a Ravens fan, is you know the last two weeks sum up how good the team is because they're just able to win so many different ways um you know the the defense is the defense is the big story for me i mean I, the way that that's improved i mean if if wink martindale isn't a head coaching candidate I, I don't really know what one is meant to look like if you if you if you view enough just from the prism of of good coordinators he's done a great job in the two years um, the way I mean, you look at how bad that defense was at the start of this season, and the way it looks now, it's just so good. And and I do agree with you on the Jets. There are some shoots of optimism. I, I just don't think that they will go very far with Adam Gase as head coach. But he will get another season. I think. I think he's done enough for that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's two teams at the opposite end of the spectrum, isn't it? You know, the Ravens. There, there are two clear favourites in the in the league right now for me, and it's the Ravens and the 49ers. And I think they've they've really built a bit of a gap between themselves and the rest of the competition. Ollie, have you seen this post match video that I'm talking about? Because uh, Matt Sherry watched it and immediately afterwards went, "Well, now I want them to win the Super Bowl. I'm going to show it to you now, and I'm going to put it on the I'm going to put the mic on it, and that's the quality it's going out in." The question you want to go ahead, Freaky L, aka Action Jackson, aka Era A Apparel. <laughs> Listen, my dog. Hey, Judah, hit him. Hey, crank, crank. All right, L. This Judah does man, it in the background. You broke record, man. <laughs> you the AFC North champions for the second year in a row. How I feel, man? Tell me how I feel, L Freaky. Um, it feel good, but you know we, we got a lot of season left to play. 
Yeah, and we got we got two more um, banners to hang up. And so you're telling me the story unwritten? Unwritten right now. Book unfinished. Right. Congratulations, brother, <laughs> on breaking Mike's Vic record and being the GOAT, the MVP that you are. Appreciate it, brother. Hey, hey, man, Thursday Night Football in America, back to you in the studio. Trust, trust. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they, they are just a team having fun. Yeah. They're really likable. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I, I think, is getting ever closer to nailing on that MVP yeah. for the season. I uh, think it's there now. I think it's done. The race is over for me. I, I, I don't... Because I, I just don't see the Ravens losing another game. So they're going to be 14 and 2. 10, ten straight wins. Yep. Second consecutive AFC North title. The fact that you had a third five-touchdown game and you add to the, the kind of the offensive shambles that... Uh, that not Russell Wilson specifically, but the, the whole of the Seahawks put on film on Monday night against the Rams, and it's this week feels like the week that it went from likely to certainty. I, I think I think he could be unanimous MVP. I, th- I just think you're being disingenuous now if you claim anybody else deserves it. I mean, we should uh, check in with Simon Clancy to find out if he's still <laughs> yeah. claiming that I mean, Russell Wilson I, I, should I be winning. I quibble with with it being called MVP because I still believe that if you put Wilson on the Ravens they'd be as good if not better but it wouldn't be the case if you swap that over but you know what I'm so impressed with with Lamar is he still does miss some throws he missed some easy throws in this game well didn't he there was one touchdown that he missed you know one of the touchdowns was a really bad throw to Brown but he he makes up for it with everything else that he brings to the party and it's what what's fun to me is it's it's really watching the position played in a way that we've never seen it play before and he's in year two of this contract of a five-year rookie contract and the Ravens you know if they can keep him healthy for the next three years this could be a dominant team because also another thing the Ravens do have and, and I've said this for a number of years is the second best head coach in the NFL in John Harbour like I've I have thought that for years. I think the only criticism I could make of John Harbaugh's tenure in Baltimore is that he clung on to Joe Flacco for too long. And that is understandable because at the end of the day, Joe Flacco won John Harbaugh a Super Bowl. But he is coaching his butt off this year. Tail. Yeah, whatever you want to say. I nearly said Urs. Uh, I, I mean, it, do, it does help when you've off. got... does help when you've got Lamar Jackson doing things, as you said, that we rarely seen um, in such a long period of time we saw Kaepernick do it a bit he broke Mike Vick's record we heard it from Mark Ingram there the Russian record for a QB he did it for a little bit but what he's doing is, is ridiculous but Harbour is blessed in having that talent that weapon on his on his team and blessed with good coordinators as well he's always had exactly, great defensive but, but, coordinators offensively not so much you know it's they had Kubiak for a year and that was good but other than that that's been a, a bit of a hole but it's the perfect mesh isn't it Greg Roman and and Lamar Jackson is is just the absolute perfect combination and, and let's not underrate the fact that as a team while we're watching Philip Rivers go down a hole right now while we spent four years watching a past it Eli Manning throwing the ball for the New York Giants yep. that they as an organization when Joe Flacco's going on the downward side of his career he's yep. coming towards the end of that contract let's take a quarterback high in the draft they took Lamar Jackson at the back end of that uh, of that draft did they trade back in to get him as they well? They did, yeah, they that, did, yeah. To get that fifth I think they made like two or three first-round picks that year, didn't they? Uh, yeah, yeah, because they had it was a Hayden Hurst in, the same, in yeah. the same draft as well. Um, just 
the fact that they were willing as an organisation to be forward thinking on that, which I think, as we've talked about on the show recently, your aim has to be to win Super Bowls. It's not just to be consistently a playoff team. And they did. They made that move with that in mind yeah. and it ended up working out for them. I think so. the, other, the other thing that we mentioned in that group the other week is the way they churned through outstanding defensive linemen. I mean, I, I, I thought that towards the end, Ozzie Newsom was overrated a little bit and DeCosta has obviously been his understudy for years and now taken over because they, they, they missed on a lot of high picks in the last few years. But their ability to find these... These defensive linemen year after year. I mean, there's so many examples. I mean, there's Lawrence Guy, who's now a very good player for the Patriots. Um, your man who, Judon, yeah, your man uh, who, who did the Carlton the dance dancing. with you. Oh, uh, Williams, Brandon Williams. There's just a bunch of guys. Who was the guy years ago, the edge rusher who went to Cleveland for big money and, and flamed out there? You know, they're just guys who they get them into the system and they just play really well. And uh, Pierce as well. Just so many guys who just, you know, who come around and play exceptionally well and they often lose them in free agency and and they replace them and everything's fine. It's it's insane, really. I just want to touch on something else because um, I was on uh, Twitter. That was our roundup of Thursday Night Football. Um, I was just on Twitter and uh, I got followed back by Marvin Washington, the former defensive end of the New York Jets. Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl there. And the reason I'm trying to get hold of him is uh, that there was this news today that MLB have decided to essentially legalise cannabis for usage, for medical use amongst their players, um, to make it no longer a banned substance on their list. And it's something we've talked about with the NFL for quite a while, and it's something that if people don't subscribe to the magazine, and really should, there's a big feature on yeah, in the current magazine. Yeah, and the, I mean, in issue 50, there's the, it's a, in, we've done like a special report section at the front of the magazine every month, and we've got two plant-based ones, one about veganism in the NFL and its rise, and the other one on on marijuana in the NFL and the future of it. I mean, I, I think the reality is that I would be stunned if it isn't part of the next CBA. I, 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 but the NFL works differently to these other leagues, especially now in CBA time. That is a it's just a huge bargaining chip. I, and, I think it, always... and it shouldn't it shouldn't be though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it, and that's one of the points that we make in the piece is at the end of the day, you know, the. the um, the painkillers that these guys use are really are really not good and they're more addictive than marijuana. They create there, more there problems. There is an opioid than, crisis. Yeah, like absolutely. Genuine. The opioids are, are a disaster. So, so yeah, I mean, for me, it's about player safety. It's a, it's a big thing when it comes to concussions as well and there's some... There's some research around that, albeit in kind of embryonic stage of that research. So, yeah, I mean, I think it will happen as part of the CBA. Frustration for me because I, I ultimately don't really think it should be used as a as a bargaining chip. And also, I mean, you know, we've lost a lot of great players in the NFL, potentially great players due to the marijuana marijuana situation mm-hmm. and, the, and the bands that... And, and, and the NFL don't really care. I mean, they, they test these guys once a year if you're not in the programme and... And and then if you get caught, then it becomes more frequent. But I'm not sure they're really that bothered about it. It's legal in so so many states now. It's uh, it's probably going to be legal nationwide at some point. So yeah, I mean, I would expect them to make that move, and, and I think the game will be better for it. And and you look at the way they do it in NHL, where you literally they still test for it. It's still part of the test when they do the recreational drug tests. But you can't, you don't get banned for it, but they do log the information and essentially to keep a record of what the usage is, how useful people. So they're essentially doing their own research into the use of medical marijuana as part of their drug testing. And 
it's proving out that the, the right now their approach to it is the right approach. So I just thought that was an extra interesting thing to to raise, and it's well worth going and reading that piece with uh, with Ryan Clady and with Eugene Monroe, Eugene Monroe former Ravens tackle, who and. Um, and, and no, I don't think we did get Martellus Bennett, but we used a quote of his where he claimed like 95% of the league he was in anyway. There's a lot of like Calvin Johnson uh, yep. is now getting into it with Rob Sims. and so it's, There's it's also a-, a lot of former players profiting from, from legalised marijuana. Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Montana is making millions of dollars in a, in a San Francisco company selling legalised marijuana. It's a huge thing it's in huge California right now yeah. it's, uh, because they've got the right growing temp, yeah. the right climate for it uh, across South uh, California. The new marijuana millionaires is a, is a big thing. Like, yep. There's a lot of people who have made a lot of money off of this as well, and some of them are former NFL players. Yep. So it's also an area of business to go into. Just thought it was a nice, interesting little tidbit worth going and reading in the magazine. If you don't subscribe, gridiron-magazine.com, where you can also do your Gridiron Pick'em. And that'll lead us nicely into our Week 15 preview. I'm doing that as a sing-song because I'm still trying to get the list of games up for this weekend on my phone. Um, looking through the games this weekend, there's a couple that definitely uh, that definitely stand out uh, that we need to cover. It's, it doesn't have the bangers of last week, but there's definitely a few intriguing ones uh, to cover off. Uh, and I think Titans-Texans in the 6 o'clock window, the first time these two teams face twice in the next three weeks. With the, the AFC South on the line after the Texans' result last weekend when they got blown out by the Broncos, and with the Titans on a bit of a charge right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am waiting for the game where it just falls down a bit for Tannehill because that's been his career. He's had runs like this in his career, and then inevitably, when it's a little bit like Kirk Cousins, I guess, when the when the lights really start to shine, he generally has a bit of a stinger. But you know, the, the Titans. You look at the last four or five weeks; they've been every bit as dominant as the Ravens. You know, they're in that conversation and. And the surge, I mean, it's it's kind of the way they've come up on on the outside is really impressive. Um, Six and one with Tannehill as a starter. Yeah, exactly. And and I remember us joking the other week that we don't need to talk about them in the playoff picture because I said they'll finish nine and seven again. Like that could still be on the table, but it, it looks like they won't. Um, huge game for the Texans. I mean, after what last week, just I, I I've been a fan of Bill O'Brien. Last week, if they get done early in the playoffs again I don't make the playoffs should be the reason that that they look for a new coach in my opinion because it's just it's a terrible look when you you've been his biggest defender yeah, of anyone I, 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 know. I have and, and I, I think I was his bi- a big nothing def- to do with him being a former Patriot I'm sure no nothing no I mean I, it's, it really isn't I mean <laughs> he, he, I think I thought he did a really good job across the first few years with bad quarterbacks but now he has a, a close to elite level quarterback you know there are no excuses anymore um they have to win. They have to win big. They have to win playoff games, which is is not something that they've done anywhere near enough of. And and yeah, it's just. A, I think it's a huge few weeks for the Texans with the power O'Brien has built in that building. I don't think he does get fired. But ultimately, if I was looking at it, I would be saying, yeah, you need to really show us something different in the next few weeks because we've seen this script play out before. He keeps getting things wrong though, doesn't he? He gets clock management. He gets clock play calling. He gets play calling wrong quite a lot as well. Um, there were a lot of mistakes in that Broncos game, but then, yeah. but then the, the game plan against the Patriots was superb. I mean, I get that they know the Patriots really well, but they got everything right in that game, mm. and that's what makes the the week after so frustrating. Bad teams can't handle success. 
Are, are not great teams can't handle success, I should say. And that's exactly what happened in that game. They, that Patriots game was essentially their Super Bowl. And they won it, and then they went and did that the next week. At home as well. I mean, it's just a joke. It's an absolute joke. Yeah. The matchup I'm excited to see from this game is that Titans defence against the Texans yeah. offence. I think that's going to be really interesting. I think the Titans defence, a little bit no-namey. I know they've got a couple of players in there, like Kevin Byard, Jarrell Casey. It's a little bit underrated uh, namey, isn't yeah. it? You know, when we, and, and that is a Titans thing generally. You know, Guys like Wesley Woodyard, who've been really good players for years, who who you don't really ever hear about. They've got a couple of really talented young linebackers who are, who are ahead of Woodyard now in the pecking order. But, yeah, they, they, are, they are a very talented defence. You know, they lost Malcolm Butler, who's one of their best cornerbacks. But Logan Ryan is a really, really nice cornerback and, and has been a, a, a good pick-up for them over the last couple of years. And, and well-coached as well. I mean, they've got... Dean Peace, who's an experienced, outstanding defensive coordinator who did a great job in Baltimore for many years. And, and I, what, I, what I like about Mike Vrabel is he is at least trying to be a head coach, which is the same as Belichick, it's the same as Harbour, because he, he controls, he manages the whole picture. And I don't, I don't think enough head coaches do that. I mean, I've said that a million times on this show. You know, Andy Reid against the Patriots last week when the defence is on the field is just sat on the bench looking at his play sheet, talking to Mahomes. You're meant to be the head coach. Yeah. And ultimately, I think if you get a good one with good coordinators, that is still the best formula for success. And the Titans are a scary team. I mean, I don't think there's anybody fancies playing them right now. And, and, and I, I think they'll get the win in at least one of these two games against the Texans. I wouldn't be surprised if they won both. They're underrated units all across the Titans. If you look at that offence, the offensive line's playing really well. Ryan Tannehill's excellent. Which, which with his... has changed because the yeah. start of the season, yeah. uh, like considering the talent they've got at tackle, they weren't very good to start the year. But it coincides with Tannehill coming in. His awareness of what's going on in front of him is far, far better. His football IQ far, far better than Marcus Mariota. Derek Henry's running the ball really well as much as you hate that, Willie. And they're getting a, an absolute song out of their second-round pick, the wide-out AJ Brown. I mean, he, he has been a great. big difference maker. Looks absolutely great. So this team look fantastic, and they're peaking at the right time. His, and his, it's a real outlier this week's game against the, the Texans of, of exactly how far they have come. His, his second burst of speed, you know, after the initial acceleration for a guy his size is... Yeah. is pretty unique. I can't immediately think of a guy like that. I think if Tennessee had to go a little bit further, and I always mention this guy with the Titans, they could really do with unlocking Dion Lewis. If they could add him into the mix more, I think... He, this... just, he just does something different. That's... Yeah, and, and, and yeah. but he's just... My biggest frustration with the Titans, I mean, because I watched this guy in New England for a number of years. He is an outstanding player. Really, really, he's much better between the tackles than you give him credit for. And, and it just hasn't worked at all in Tennessee. But if they could get him going towards the end of this season, it would give that offence yet another facet. Who, who honestly knew we were going to start this podcast with 10 minutes of loving for the uh, Tennessee Titans? But that is the direction yeah. it's gone in. Looking through the other games this weekend to pick out another one that I think is, is absolutely huge uh, is the Los Angeles Rams heading to AT&T Stadium to face the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Rams against the, uh, against the Seahawks showed that Something that I had certainly been critical of Sean McVay of earlier in the season when I suggested that that they didn't react to Todd Gurley not being very good and to the offensive line not being very good. They didn't 
make changes. They didn't change the play style or the play calling. They didn't add wrinkles to the... And that was meant to be the area that he was... He was meant to be the offensive genius. They've made the changes on the offensive line now. It's basically new look. Four of the five positions have changed from where they were at the start of the season. And you saw the play calling against the Seahawks suggested that Sean McVay isn't out of ideas at this point, that actually he's going to be able to scheme Jared Goff into performing to at least an acceptable level when he's really not been good this year. And honestly, with the way that the Cowboys are playing at the moment... I fully expect the Rams to go yeah. in there and beat them. Without a doubt. I mean, the Cowboys are a Without hot mess. Without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so sharing. They're a hot mess, aren't they, the Cowboys? I mean, they're an absolute joke. Um, and, I mean, I, I think that the, the Seahawks are a great matchup for the Rams. Um, so, I, I mean, I think picked them to win last week. I wasn't surprised that they won. Um, the defense I saw, is, I the just, can I just say this one great stat Absolutely. of uh, how hard they went on the running game last week. That blocking tight end Johnny Munt... Played 30 snaps more than Cooper Cup last week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's month with an M for mother, if you're listening on uh, on, <laughs> on AM. <laughs> the, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I think that the Rams, you know, they, they, as I said last week, they, they know that they to have any chance, they basically need to win every game. They're a desperate team. Uh, and the Cowboys are an, are an absolute mess. I Three mean, and seven in their last ten games. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's they're just terrible. I mean, they, they are really bad for such a talented team. I mean, the next magazine which went to print yesterday is all about the Cowboys and kind of the the identity crisis of America's team. Um, and they are an absolute mess. And, I, I mean, if it, it's going to be a sub-500 team winning that division, isn't it? Probably the East. I mean, uh, There's never been an 8-8 eight and eight team win the East. The Eagles or the Cowboys have to win out to change that. They play each other, obviously, in Week 16, so only one of them can yeah. do it. Um, I, I, yeah, if one of them's going to do it, I expect it to be the Eagles, but even so. Even so, the Eagles aren't that great. Look, the um, it's a huge game, that one, with the Rams, and if, if they win it uh, in Dallas. But with other playoff implications, it's Minnesota against the Chargers. Now, if the Chargers beat Minnesota, I've just done the playoff predictor, the Rams beat the Cowboys, the Rams hop into that sixth seed mm-hmm. or they actually end yeah they, they're the sixth seed I don't know what the tiebreaker is but they both have a 9-5 and five record and my playoff predictor is telling me that Minnesota I, would slip out yeah, that's the huge. Vikings off to the Rocket Field at Dignity Health Sports Park piss off uh, honestly it's a weird one because the Chargers weird thing to get annoyed about <laughs> it's just over such, the last 24 such a, hours such an awful out day. Uh, look I'm an angry man right now and I have to I have to flex somewhere I, I think it's a bit of a dangerous spot for the Vikings I do I actually think that they didn't look great last week in the win over the Lions they did just what they needed to do to get that victory and the Chargers it feels like when they slipped out of playoff contention suddenly went oh Let's remember how to play football. My caveat is, is that the Jacksonville Jaguars are, you want to talk about hot messes. Over the last seven weeks, basically since they were in London, they are the worst team in football. And I don't think it's even close. Yeah. So then putting 40 points on the Jags, how much can we read into that really? Yeah, I mean, not a a huge amount. Um, I I mean, I think the Vikings will win. But the Vikings potentially need to win out but then I think you guys play the Rams again, don't you? We play the Rams so again, that, yeah. That's and a then tough the Rams game. play the Cardinals. That could be a 17. really good game, actually, because if the Rams have turned the corner, they are still a team who... Nobody wants to see the Rams in the playoffs. 
You know what I mean? I think if you're if you're another NFC team, you really don't want to see the Rams in the playoffs because because they are they are really talented on defense. You know they've got great coaching on defense, and then and then McVeigh obviously is still the guy that we thought he was. He's a, yeah. he's an outstanding coach, and and yeah, I think the Rams are a, a little bit like the Titans on the other side, albeit with less of a chance of actually making the playoff. The kind of team that nobody wants to see on wildcard weekend. And uh, Rams 49ers, by the way, has been flexed into the later game on next Saturday night. So you know how they do the Saturday games when yep. the college season uh, finishes. So next Saturday, you've got um, uh, Bucks, Texans, Patriots, Bills and 49ers, Rams uh, as the three games back to back to back on, on Saturday. And they flip them around basically uh, Patriots Bills was the 6 o'clock kickoff originally and has moved into the 9.30 and then you've got 49ers Rams in the late game so there's, that's a big one for next week definitely to look forward to I do expect the Vikings to get the win but I'm with Ollie I think it's a little bit of a little bit of a dangerous one for them uh, you've then got what the Packers facing off with the Chicago Bears Packers win here we go yeah. I, I think that'll be a, I think that'll be a close game and Lambeau oh, it will be close because we couldn't put away Washington last week, which is... I didn't think you looked very good against the Giants. I mean, you've played two of the worst teams in football the last And haven't looked that good. Not good, look good at all. Trubisky's had uh, a sudden turnaround over the last two or three weeks as well, much like he did last season. And had, Aaron, had a run of decent games. And Aaron Rodgers does seem to be more wary than some of the other quarterbacks in the entire league of, um, of that Chicago Bears front four is it they play with a four with Khalil Macker in, in there as well so it's something that is very noticeable that he uh, seems to be a bit skittish when playing coming up against those guys so it, it, I think Green Bay will win but I agree with you Sherry it's going to be a close game I, I think Trubisky comes back down to earth you know it was a similar scenario to the amount of, the, the way people overreact it's like when Josh Allen played the Cowboys I mean like I said, there was no coincidence that both Trubisky and Josh Allen looked so good against the Cowboys. Josh Allen was atrocious last week against the Ravens. Mm. You know, Trubisky will be atrocious if he comes up against a half-decent defence as well. Um, but I, I just... I, the Packers, to me, and, and I, I'll get, maybe I get proven wrong in the win the Super Bowl, I have never seen a team occupying a, 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 a one or two seed that are this bad at this stage of the season. Especially in a league that's so... I think the league is quite loaded with good teams this year, but... I, I just don't think they're very good. Every every game I watch them, I come away completely unimpressed. I mean, and you watch closer than I do, Ollie, but I think I get the same vibe from you. You you don't... Yeah, they're, they're uninspiring, apart from Aaron Jones, who looks really good, but yeah. he often doesn't get used enough or in the right way. I don't think he gets used enough in the backfield with checkdowns and things like that, which is used to be an out for Aaron Rodgers and made him look better. That doesn't happen enough. And the defense, it can be, it can look really great, but then you'll give up 200 yards to a running back. I, I'm just convinced that they will get annihilated by somebody in the divisional round. And I, I mean, maybe yeah. they will be at home, but I, I still think I can just see them getting absolutely stuffed in the divisional yeah. round at home at home by the 49ers who at that point will have slipped into the fifth seed That's because of them lost their loss to the Seahawks in week 17 uh, there's t- t- a few more games there, uh, from the NFC side of things 49ers play the Falcons at home uh, not undangerous after what they did on the road against uh, against the Saints it's, earlier this season I mean to use a word that doesn't exist as you just have yeah. it's undangerous <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I mean yeah, maybe I'm just being the pessimist anti-dangerous but anti-dangerous why not um, uh, and then you've got the Seahawks going to the Bank of America to play the Panthers. It's amazing 
how much losing Rashad Penny in the first quarter, considering he had not been very good until the previous three weeks of the season when he suddenly had back-to-back games over 100 yards total uh, in both games and touchdowns in both games, that suddenly losing him affected their offense so badly. But you think that this Panthers defense is set up for Chris Carson to, to run all over, to, you know, that kind of run-run pass that they that they seem to go with. And... I, I just think they won't have a problem. When you've got, um, uh, who is it, Dante Jackson, slagging off your interim head coach's play calling <laughs> in his first game in charge, uh, you'd suggest that things are getting pretty bad in Carolina. Yeah, I mean, it's just counting down the weeks to the end of the season. Isn't <laughs> it really it, for is Carolina. for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's, it's a great time. It's but, a great matchup for Seattle to, to bounce back. I mean, it is West Coast to East Coast, always something to be aware of. But, um, yeah, I would fully, fully expect the Seahawks to bounce back and, and hopefully they do because I think we all want to see that amazing week 17 matchup for the for the playoffs for, all the, yeah, for I mean. all the marbles because we don't see that often enough how often is week 17 a dud it feels like it's often yeah. there might only be one game that has anything on the line and even then it's nothing massive and it is weird when they schedule the matchups that you don't think to yourselves right we know that the Bears were good last year. We know they won the division, but the Vikings-Packers made sense to me as the Week 17 game from before the season started. Yes. And, yeah, it's the Week 16 game. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of thing I find frustrating. Uh, the, uh, the other NFC game, and then we'll get on to the AFC side of things, is on Monday Night Football. And I know it's an AFC-NFC intra-divisional matchup. Uh, the Colts going to the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, a game that five or six days ago I would have said that this should be a, a cakewalk for the Saints, the way the Colts have kind of dropped off defensively, really haven't looked anywhere near as good as as they did. And uh, who's their defensive coordinator? Eberflus. Matt Eberflus, a big, big fan of, but they have struggled over the past six or seven weeks. Brissett hasn't looked as good as he did early in the season. But losing those two defensive linemen, in Davenport and in Sheldon Rankins. Rankins? Rankins? Especially when you couple that with the, the health issues at linebacker. Yeah. It's a killer, isn't it? It's a killer, killer blow. Um, we could see another shootout in the dome. Yeah, and it's the same to back where I guess they don't want to be, which is, especially at this stage of Drew Brees' career, which is essentially they're going to have to win some shootouts because I, I just think they've lost too many horses on defence and it's a shame it's a real real shame because that defence was so good early in the season you know it's easy to forget now the games they won with Teddy Bridgewater a quarterback and it was all built around outstanding defensive play and it's a shame it really is I think it robs us of of potentially the only team in the NFC that I could I think can can hang with the 49ers um, I, I think the 49ers are, are going to the Super Bowl well I know that you're not you know, you're a fan and you're nervous about it. But if you look at it objectively, they're the best team in the NFC now by a decent margin. Um, the only team I still think are talented and well-coached enough to potentially do it are the Vikings. But we just know that it's not going to happen. We know that... I don't think they're Kirk that well-coached. I, like, I really like Zimmer. I, I don't think they're really that well-coached. Coach. He, he, he messes up as frequently as Bill O'Brien. I'm not sure he does. You're a big old fan of Kubiak as well, it's fair to say. Yeah. I, I love the coach. More so than anyone else. I, I, I just think it'll come down to Kirk Cousins. Gary, Gary Kubiak's children don't like Gary <laughs> Kubiak as much as Matt Sherry does. Yes, which is <laughs> I, love that, I love that whole <laughs> offensive system, so I'm a Shanahan fan as well. But yeah, I, I just think that I just think that the, 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 
it'll come down to Kirk Cousins having the ball in his hands in a playoff game and he won't get it done because that's what we've seen all along. Um, so, yeah, for me, the, the 49ers are easily the class of the NFC now. Right, you're listening to The Gridiron Show. Will, Matt, Ollie, sat in my front room, having a whale of a time. Uh, talk. Let's talk about the AFC games coming up for this weekend. Then, uh, how much is the Patriots filming of the Bengals sideline going to heavily affect the big one? Do you know what? Yet again, what a disgraceful organisation. Oh, just the worst. Just the very worst. Oh, my goodness. Flagrant cheats. Oh, again, over. By the way, we didn't mention mention the Eagles are playing Washington as part of the playoff picture. They'll win that game and they're going to win the NFC East. Just to to skip over it quickly. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Patriots, Bengals. It's a Patriots win, right? Yeah, just of course. even even this is the with, the, with the issues I'd, on offense. If I was the Patriots, I would um, try and win this game without Mohamed Sanu and Julian Edelman, who were both banged up. They could do with them massively next Saturday. I mean, how good's next Saturday going to be? Because it's Patriots builds as well, isn't it? Yeah, um, they could do with them both for that game. Yeah. I would I would say let's yeah. put these young kids in against the worst team in football and try and get some chemistry between them. And let's rest those two guys. They're not going to do that, but that's just personally what I would do. I think they'll win it easily. I think, so you've got, uh, just to run through the games we've not done so far, and we'll, we'll focus on the AFC playoff games. You've also got Bucks-Lions at Ford Field. Um, just nothing about that game gets my blood, blood flowing at all, anyone? Well, not even David Blau. Blau. I think, I, I would like Blau. I would like Bruce. to highlight how good a job, again, <laughs> Bruce Arians is doing. Um, if you look at some of their losses, the Bucks should be in the playoff mix. I mean, his favourites, hasn't he? You know, yeah. the Giants' loss was absolutely dreadful. They very nearly beat the Seahawks on the road. If you turn those two games around, then suddenly you are eight and five. I mean, and they've won three on the bounce. I think they'll win this week. And then they play the Texans at home in Week 16. I could see the Texans losing that game as well. I mean, the Texans, it's huge three weeks for the Texans. It really is. And then the Falcons. I, I think, yet again, Bruce Arians will coach a team to at least 500. They're 6-7 now. Uh, You've got Giants-Dolphins. The Dolphins having to go to MetLife for the second week in a row. Should have just stayed in the New Jersey area. Why would you? You live in Miami. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, at Arrowhead, the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Denver Broncos. Uh, look, I think that you've... After the way the Broncos played against the Texans, I'm not. I'm not sure that we're quite ready to call Drew Lock the second coming of. You know, pick whoever you want at this point, but definitely was an impressive performance yep. last week. And I fancy. I think the Chiefs win it at home because their defense did look so improved over recent weeks. But I just think that a game that might not have been too intriguing a few days ago yeah. after that performance last week suddenly adds that wrinkle to a divisional game. Yeah, huge. I mean, and also the the defence has been really, really good for the Broncos for weeks now. I mean, since that first three weeks of the season where they didn't have the sack and everybody was talking about that. Um, yeah, Vic Fangio's turn around in Denver. I think there's, there's, there's cause for excitement because I think Fangio's done a really nice job showing some good signs in his first year and... Now you've got potentially the next quarterback. Some really good young players. Cortland Sutton, Ollie's favourite, has had a breakout year. If you look at the year in totality now for Denver, and last week's win certainly helps the pitcher, you know, you can see some real positive signs for the future, I think. And, and this could be another win against an AFC playoff team that really shows that they're a team to watch next season. Absolutely, and they're getting the running game going and all, all of that. But 
you've got the Kansas City Chiefs in the way, and that's the game last week was the kind of game that um, I suppose we've been waiting for, or that performance was the performance we've been waiting for for the entire season. It's come to this. Are they suddenly coming into some form? And I think they're massively dangerous. Yeah, they are. Massively dangerous when in those playoffs. Because if you're the Ravens, you don't want to face them. Yeah. If you're the Patriots, you don't want to face No one will want to face them. They're so dangerous. If you could have three seeds, they would be clearly in, in that conversation. The, um, in terms of Pat Mahomes this week, uh, he was dealing with the ankle issue earlier. He's now dealing with a hand issue after that game. Apparently, he is able to, to grip the ball okay, but with that Fangio defence... But they didn't throw gonna... the ball downfield hardly no, at no. all after the no. hand. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of players, and that was basically it. So uh, that's a little intriguing extra wrinkle to watch out for in that one. Uh, we've done that game. We've done that game. We've done that game. Uh, Raiders, Jags, technically still a playoff uh, worthy conversation because of the Raiders. but And they and they win this game because the Jacksonville Jaguars have conceded more than 35 points for three consecutive yep. weeks, which I think is the first team to do it since about 2002 or something ridiculous. For so much talent as well. And is it Minshew or Foles? Is Foles injured? What's no, going on Minshew's there? No, Minshew's in, isn't he? I think Minshew's Minshew's is, Minshew's That's back. mental, isn't it? It's interesting to see if the Jags um, are coached by Tom Coughlin next season, which I think they will be. Yeah. There we go. Uh, the Cleveland Browns take on the Arizona Cardinals. The Browns technically still alive in the playoff hunt, but... Uh, the, the problem with the Browns is that every time they win a game of football, it's like there's something else. There's another drama. You know, they, they beat the Steelers to save their season. And we were talking about the nonsense at the end yep. of the game with, with uh, Miles Garrett. They win last week to keep their season uh, alive. And we're talking about Odell Beckham. And we're talking about Baker Mayfield throwing the trainers under the bus. Afterwards. I actually have reached Just, the point where I really, really, really dislike Baker Mayfield. And I loved him before the draft but I just think he's an absolute weapon I mean it, it, really it's, like weapon. it's ironic to to watch Lamar Jackson in the same division guy taken in the same draft yeah. the difference between the two is, yeah. is, is is you know it's chalk and cheese Jackson humble yeah um, great teammate great leader teammate, yeah Baker Mayfield who seemingly has an opinion on everything except for his own terrible performances this season he hasn't been helped by coaching but he hasn't looked good either I mean he he has real problems seeing over the line of scrimmage I think he doesn't read the field very well and I think those are the things that Baker Mayfield should be addressing instead of thinking that he has the right to take the training staff to task he's just an absolute joke I mean the the absolute epitome you really think, mate. of of what what you wouldn't want your quarterback to be is what Baker Mayfield is right now, and somebody needs to get hold of him and sort him out. Sherry, pop over to Cleveland on your way to Miami. It's a bit of a way out of the way, but get in there, have a word. I don't like. He'll be in Miami. I think, I'm I guaranteed think, he'll be in Miami. I think Mike McCarthy will be the next Cleveland head coach, and I think he'll be good for him. I don't know if any of you saw the piece that NFL did with McCarthy, who is essentially living the life of a head coach from home at the moment. But sounds like he has went away, looked at everything, and it, I, I would be excited to have a reinvigorated Mike McCarthy based on how he's done some self-analysis and some of the things he said, and I think he'd be perfect. They need an adult in, that, in the building. You know, it's just idiot head coach who wears stupid jumpers and daft quarterback who is a microcosm of that coach. I mean, they're just a, a shambles. Everything that... At the back of our minds, we thought the Browns were going to be. That's exactly what they've been. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, say what you think, pal. <laughs> I didn't like the way he he hung, hung Garrett out to dry after that 
but um, he's done that all season. But he, he, he uh, did that he, with Duke Johnson before the season. It, it's just a joke. I didn't I've like never... it. You just keep that in. How he did it on the and people saying, "Yeah, praised him for for his honesty." I don't think that. I yeah. don't think you're a good. Teammate you keep by stuff doing like that. that internal. I, I mean, I th- there's I a reason the, all of the great quarterbacks and leaders do it like that. Yeah. I, I I thought it was classless. I don't. I. I'm, I'm, did you Johnson yeah, think was classless? Me. Not for me. Buddy. Was completely classless, and and just a, a joke. And and I, I'm, I struggle to see how you garner any respect from teammates like that. The whole thing is a dumpster fire. I mean, Odell Beckham is desperate to seemingly sign for somebody else. I think the Patriots. I think he wants to play play in New England. I mean, it, and and. It's just a shambles. It's everything. You know, when you looked at the Browns before the season, there was off- excitement offset against the fact that at the back of your mind, you knew it was going to look like this. And that's exactly what's happened. Let's go to Hinesfield. Sunday night football, last game of the week to talk about. Uh, it's the game they flexed into Sunday night football. The Buffalo Bills going there to face with the, off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Bills coming off a loss to the Ravens where, yeah, they lost that game, but they looked impressive in the loss. And they're still in the race for, uh, well, they're still in the playoffs. And, and technically, with the way the Patriots have been losing games, with them playing the Patriots next weekend, they're still in the race for the AFC East. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge game. Um, it, I mean, this is just massive for both teams, isn't it? I think the Bills... Well, no, because the Steelers are going to match them. If the Steelers win this game, the Bills, they have the same record in the Bills and they have the tiebreaker over the Bills with... Buffalo to play New England next year. I mean, the Bills could still miss the playoffs, which I think based on the season they've had and the coaching job will be a, a real travesty, but you can see a very easy route to it because you could see them losing the next two weeks. Steelers' defence is great. So is the Bills, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think... I think Josh Allen can make enough plays with his legs to win this game, and I'm not sure Doug Hodges can make enough plays full well, stop. From the Pittsburgh yeah. offence perspective... You've got James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster on yeah. track to return this weekend. Devlin Hodges, it's a limited skill set at the moment, but he makes smart decisions. He's not turning the ball over. He's not doing stupid things. He's not, he's not losing games, and that's kind of the key. You heard it from, um, uh, from the team that when you had Mason Rudolph in there, they, they were referring to him literally losing them games. They very specifically said, Mike Tomlin has said, he doesn't lose you a game. That's big for them. Benny Snell was making plays last week. Like They have players on that offense who suddenly have come out and started performing. Deontay Johnson, James Washington well, receivers took turns in making big they? plays. So yeah. do you know, I, I think that they can do something against the Bills. But after the, the kind of coaching masterclass we saw from Sean McDermott on the Ravens last week and on Lamar Jackson, who we started this show absolutely raving about, uh, the, hey. the Jackson Five. That was the other joke that, you know, obviously we didn't use, but now I have. Um, he... yeah, mate, you're rocking, Robin. <laughs> but yeah, this is, for me, the, the coach of the year ball. Whoever wins this should be the coach of the year, whichever team, in my opinion. Okay. There we go. Matt Sherry had an opinion. Dropped drop the dime there, there wasn't he? Uh, what do you think? You said Josh Allen, you think, can make enough plays against this, uh, against this Steelers defence. Specifically with his legs. He's good with his legs. He's really and, good. And he's got a running game. Yeah. Between Singletree, but like having Frank Gore in those short yardage situations where he can still just be a go-ahead guy and he always falls forwards and gains those extra few yards. But I, you, I, you I would right like... the top, Ollie. The Steelers defence is really yeah. good. The defensive line is really good. You know, your buddy, old Devin, over the middle, is it looks great. Minka I, I just, at the back there. Minka Fitzpatrick has been... Fitzpatrick's been outstanding, yeah. actually. I, I, I have to apologise to the organisation 
Because I said when Ben Roethlisberger had gone down, spending a first-round pick on Mink Fitzpatrick was a silly decision for their future, and it's ended up being absolutely brilliant. I, I would like the Bills to win just because I think they're a slightly more dangerous team in the playoffs, and that's right. I just want the best playoff field. Yeah, just on that get. pick, the reason that we said it was silly at the time was because after losing Ben Roethlisberger, it felt you thought like they were done, yeah. you thought you were giving up. It's not just that they were done for the season, but you Quarter. thought you were giving up a top-five pick, a top-six pick. You're now giving up a pick that's going to be somewhere in the 20s, probably even the late 20s at this point. You know, the Dolphins, with every Steelers win, are kicking themselves harder and harder that they didn't trade to somebody. Because I think Fitzpatrick would have got a first from a lot of teams. Yeah, but I also think if they'd have kept Fitzpatrick, they'd have got him engaged by now. Like, with the way... There was a reason all those players wandered out after the first two weeks. But if you look at the Dolphins now, you know, I think they'd have been able to keep him on board. So it is a bit of a shame that, and um, particularly Gutten for... For old uh, Cy Clancy, because he, he loved Fitzpatrick. Probably, probably thinks he's rubbish now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He thinks he's the worst trade ever. It seems, it seems that the Dolphins have bought into Flores and Fitzpatrick. Get, get that... I'm not going to use the word, but begins with C. Clown. Yeah, let, we'll do clown. Ro- get that clown, Rosen, out of the building. Dreadful bloke, dreadful player. Why does he hate Josh Rosen Dreadful so human being. We'll probably meet him on uh, Radio Row, from? won't we? <laughs> just, just, I really like Josh Rosen as a person. No, not for me, Beaky. But Fitz Magic has been brilliant, and everyone's bought into it. And they were the worst football team I've ever seen those first three weeks. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and I still think they're the least talented by a mile. I asked and I really Flores. We said if they get three wins, he should be in the head coach of the year conversation. And I don't think he should win it, but he should absolutely yeah, be talked he about. Should, it was yeah. a great shout. If you're putting in Mike Tomlin, you've got you. you sorry pointed at Sherry um, you've got to have a have a look at um, B-Flow you have to B-Flow B-Flow Flores was always the guy and this is not hindsight I've almost certainly said it on this pod before he was the guy who was in the Patriots building who I thought I would like him as the the next B-Flow but it just happened too quickly he's also got personal experience which is why they find a lot of yeah Late gems in like on the street and stuff. He's he's B-flow. he is a very very talented and exciting young coach. B flow. <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Got yeah. Right, I've got a yeah, recommendation yeah. for yeah, the yeah. listeners. Uh, Bob Mortimer's Twitter feed. Oh, wonderful! He started Genuinely a wonderful. character called Train Guy, and he yeah, tweets a video yeah. as him you, every as few always. days. If you were, uh, whether you're happy or sad about the election results, it'll cheer you up. It did cheer me up actually. And it cheered Willie up. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it really needed to cheer Willie up. Right, I'm going back to watching Star Wars after I've edited this. You've got to go off into work. You've got the day off. What are you going to do? I don't know. Should go cinema? Could do that. What's on? Uh, Knives Out. Seen it. Jumanji 2. very good. Don't want to see Jumanji 2. I'm seeing Jumanji 2 with the wife tonight. Yeah, I mean that's ludicrous that <laughs> you and I would go and watch it and then later on I wasn't, like, I wasn't suggesting when I saw it you just asked what was that that's never happened before it has happened you go and watch a horror film Black Christmas is out I'm not watching horror films you know I can't you're deal great with, those. with horror films I can't deal with them I can't deal with them I'd rather why would I want to sit somewhere and be scared for two hours <laughs> why Sherry's, Sherry's given up he's taken his headset off we should probably finish this so uh, as always at UK Gridiron on Instagram Gridiron on Twitter check out the magazine That the marijuana piece is really interesting uh, says the man who hasn't opened the cellophane yet uh, but we will talk more about it uh, I'm sure and uh, thank you very much for listening it's been the Gridiron show oh do we need to say about the NFL 100 show yeah NFL 100 show we're flipping it up it's going to go to being because we do 
in terms of the number of shows a week, we're going to move it to an off-season podcast. And we're going to do it throughout the off-season instead of trying to cram it in during the season. It's good content for you guys out there during the off-season. And it means that we don't have to uh, be cramming into the week and you don't have to be skipping over it because you've got the previews and stuff. Yeah, we're in the business end of the season. It makes sense now. And we'll have some amazing, uh, we'll have some amazing guests on Radio Row, etc. That will fit into it. So yeah, that's what we're going to do. Right now is a real goodbye. Thank you for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. Be flow. Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sport relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular! Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is our winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit! You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sport Relief merchandise at Janeiro's Sainsbury's. Sport Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast.